Welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Obviously a huge announcement for us to start off on today's podcast. And joining me to make that announcement, it's my doubles partner, partner in crime, and the man who's been with me every step of this journey, Maxwell LeBauer-Rothman. Maxie, hey, great shot, and what a day we have. What a weird intro to hear that with Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel. It's awesome. It's it's crazy, but it's it's awesome. I also want to say we are live. We are test running a video format. So some of our listeners who get this on the traditional podcast format, don't worry. It's still going to come to you that way. You're going to have your usual sound effects, the clock ticking, all of those things. But in the future, be on the lookout for these video streams. It's something we want to start doing a little bit more. Also with that in mind, because it's a video probably not going to do as much cussing i'm sure you listeners aren't going to miss that but i don't want no promises yeah my mom who by the way happy birthday mom west off can i get a happy birthday sound effect oh, please yeah. happy uh, birthday! Her birthday, and i know she watches this as close as anyone and so i don't want to be caught swearing by her and by the way happy birthday mom this doesn't happen without your love and support our biggest fan so shout out to <laughs> you uh but that being said as i mentioned a cracked rackets and tennis channel production let's start off with that real quick the big announcement today the launch of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. It's going to be eight podcasts across their network, uh, a bunch of different ones. You've got the Cation Cast, obviously R3, Tennis.com. Uh, you've got uh, what Sports Illustrated is doing, a bunch of cool pods in the mix, so go give that a look. But Rothman, can you explain to the listeners why we're so thrilled to be a part of this? Well, look, I mean, we, we've we been doing this now for what? It's been about two a year years. and a half. Two, has it been two full years? Marin yeah, Chilich I mean, crying was US our first Open. Grand Slam. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So it's been about two years now. And uh, I think we just, you know, we're excited to be with such a, a good group of people as well. We, we've got the Slack channel running. Hopefully we'll get some good banter in there. So, um, you know, just just excited to let everyone get a part of this. We, we want to expand the tennis community, uh, the podcasting community as far as we can. And uh, we know that with the help of you know each other and, and the tennis channel uh, that we should be able to, you know, hopefully get our, our banter and everyone else's banter, uh, you know, out there. And I talked about this briefly with Jamie on our men's draw preview. But look, if you're in tennis media, there's no one you would rather be uh, partnered with than Tennis Channel. They are the premier see-all things of tennis media, whether it's broadcasting matches, live streams, articles on tennis.com, all of the things we think not only you know are we excited to be exposed to, but we think will help make us better podcasters. So we are so thrilled to be a part of the network. We also have a huge thank you to give to you, the listener, because I promise you this does not happen without your relentless support along the way for all of the guests that have come on Cracked Interviews or the GSP or the Mini Break. You know, there's some big ones who come to mind, and I'm sorry if I'm not going to name all of you, but like Jonathan Kelly's and the Chris Helioris's of the world who, even early on before we were anything, they were willing to come on, chat college tennis, State of the Union stuff with us, all of the college coaches and players who embraced us. We're so appreciative to them. Again, the entire tennis Twitter community, we do a Mini Break segment called Tennis Twitter Tuesdays. That wouldn't happen if it wasn't such a vibrant community. Unity. This podcast wouldn't have gone on for two years because Max and I still have full-time jobs, but the reason we keep doing it is because we've just really embraced and we've loved being a part of this tennis community, so a huge thank you to them. Uh, huge thank you personally. Again, my parents, mom, happy birthday. This doesn't happen without you. Dad, you're great, but again, mom, you're the real life support behind this creative endeavor. Michael Azaparty, I've recorded over 200 pods in your apartment. You're the man. Uh, Westoff, Crack Rackets team, thank you so much. Am I missing anyone? Uh, I guess thank you to yeah everyone. I mean, I guess I should I should thank my 
parents and people. <laughs> uh, you kind of you kind of just did it. Um, yeah, Westoff has to get another shout out. Just and Fleegner and Fleegs who who started us off. The OG. Um, of course, but the other thing I just wanted to, to say is as we're going through this whole process, you know, starting up at the Tennis Channel and, and embracing on this, or excuse me, embarking on this journey, uh, let us know what we can do better. You know, obviously now that we're doing this, you know, live video feed, which we haven't done before, uh, let us know if we should be doing something different. T- tell Gruskin if he should shave because <laughs> it's still questionable. We don't we don't know how we feel. Jury's about this out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like always, we always ask for, for comments in, you know, on the podcast for what we can do different, things that you want to hear and see. Uh, and so now we've got another platform for you. So feel, definitely feel free to reach out and let us know what we can do better. Completely agree. And a huge thank you to Tennis Channel for taking a chance on us. We promise we are going to keep the constant stream across all of our platforms. You know, our website, CrackRackets.com, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, all of these things. And then, of course, this podcast, the mini break, Cracked Interviews, all part of this Tennis Channel network. So we are so excited to get started with that. But the thing we are really excited for, no better time to launch this network than with the year's final Grand Slam upon us, the 2019 U.S. Open, starting tomorrow, Monday, uh, men's, women's singles, half of the first round action for both draws. We have had a ton of preview content earlier in the week. Matt Zemek and I did our five most intriguing players to watch in the WTA draw. That's what we're going to be doing today. Five men, uh, obviously... You know, the big three have had a stranglehold on the Grand Slams for, what, the past 15 years, and I've given up with including Murray and, you know, calling it a big four. The vernacular just yeah, is big three. Have. No, I, I'm not saying I believe it, but it's for the listener. <laughs> um, but, yeah, look, sure. and it's very obvious that those three are going to command so much attention, so many storylines throughout these next two weeks. But the, the point of this exercise, much like with the women, there are a bunch of other players. You know, who's going to get to the fourth round? Who's going to get to that quarterfinals? Is anyone going to steal maybe a semifinal spot from one of those guys? We wanted to figure out, you know, the five players who we thought it may be most intriguing to, again, make the second week unexpectedly, make the semifinals unexpectedly, or maybe, you know, come, come from behind and win the whole thing. If we think so, I would have sworn there if we weren't live on video. Uh, but that's the sort of thing we're going to be talking about today. Uh, with that in mind, Max, what were you thinking about when you came up with this list of players? Okay, really quickly, because I know we're about to really dive in. I feel like it's <laughs> only right that Westoff hits us with like some fireworks or a mariachi band or some sort of crazy sound effect just to celebrate the start of this all. Because now we're, we're starting. Now now we're, we're in. We're starting. <laughs> yeah, there are stakes uh, now. No more swearing. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, and also for those listening, at some point, the wizard Westoff will figure out how to do these live. But uh, for now, you'll get those, you know, with the podcast. But um, putting together this list, it, honestly, tough. Uh, I, I think there were a lot of players that I wanted to put in, but I, I really wanted to think critically about players that maybe we don't always think about, uh, and especially in recent history. Uh, you know, we've talked about a lot of these guys in the last few months who have had kind of consistent uh, success, and, and you'll see some of them in our lists. But uh, I, I really wanted to think about, you know, last year's results at the U.S. Open, uh, their hardcourt results in the last, you know, whatever, six, four, six weeks, uh, and, and kind of think about, you know, their projected results in this U.S. Open. And that's, that's how I came up with this list. 
And it's a very different list than the women's side where, again, we joked about it, 35 players reasonably, if things break a, a certain way, could absolutely win the title. That's just not the case on the men's side. And so, again, is a Daniil Medvedev or Dominic team going to come up? Sneak preview. Yes, they are, because those are two guys you have to watch when you're looking at what's going to happen over these two weeks. If those two guys are able to take a jump, that's significant. That's something that's going to dominate our attention. So that's the theme we're going to start with. And again, our lovely super producer, Daniel Westoff, who put all of this video technology together, has a few highlight packages he'll be playing as we do this experiment. So with that being said, let's start with our first player. And Maxie, I know uh, you'll say off camera, I've had a theme recently of being rude to you, and I apologize for that. But that same theme is going to continue today. I'm going to be giving you our first player. Uh, the one I want to... Shocker! <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Westoff, give me a sizzle for a hot take because that was a hot take, me going first. Um, But the player I wanted to start with, a guy I think is a fascinating test case for just what's going on on the ATP. Is anyone going to break through? David Goffin is my first selection, and the reason I chose him, Goffin, the number 15 seed at this event, he takes on Courtney Moutet in his first round, Moutet, the young Frenchman. We've had him seen, uh, we've seen him have a little bit of success, but, you know, nothing crazy. He's not lighting the world on fire, but why Goffin is a guy I have circled, number one, he's coming off of a Cincinnati Masters final, his first Masters 1000 final of his career. Obviously, that's a significant event uh, for him, but more importantly, you look at his consistency at the slam and particularly at the U.S. Open, fourth round in 2018, uh, fourth round in 2017, quarterfinals at Wimbledon, third round at the other two, but just over the course of his career, uh, especially recently, you know, you can pencil him into the third round, and then you translate that to his portion of the bracket. I mean, in guys, you know, the seeds he's going to have to come up with, Guido Pea, no one's afraid of him on a hard court, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the 19 seed who's had a, a great year, but David Goffin is the Cincinnati Masters finalist, not worried about that. You know, a potential Cam Norrie second round, okay, that's tough, but I still think Goffin, enough, you know, Norrie doesn't have enough big weapons to get by him. And then Goffin's the guy who drew Federer, right? And for Roger Federer, uh, it's not that, you know, uh, quarterfinals Australia, semifinals French Open, final Wimbledon. He's been consistent this year. But he lost fourth year la- uh, fourth round last year to John Millman. And if you're going to draw up a player who could do exactly what John Millman did to Fed, David Goffin is that, but probably like 1.25 times that in terms of ability. And so I just think if he plays his best tennis, given the, his recent form, his consistency this year, you look at his record. He's up to, again, number 15 in the singles rankings, 26 and 19, no titles, but two finals, I believe in Hala and then in Cincinnati. He's played his best tennis in the second half of the year, and he's one of those guys in the top half who could be a non-big three player to do damage. So look, it's funny that this is your first guy, because I think I, I looked at him for a second and then pretty much nixed him, uh, and, <laughs> and I have a few, few reasons why. I think if you looked at results going into Wimbledon, I mean, yeah, you're right. He had the Halla final against Fed, uh, makes the quarterfinals at Wimbledon against Djokovic, and then goes into the hardcourt season, loses first round of, of uh, City Open to Nishioka, uh, who didn't get to play him in that quarterfinal uh, of since he had to withdraw due to, I think, was it food poisoning or illness? Food poisoning. Uh, Good yeah, memory. so super unfortunate there. And then, you know, in Montreal, the next tournament loses to 
none other than Guido Pea, who you just, uh, you know, took a little dump on. Yeah, but so, wait for wait for part two of this because when I looked it up, I believe he beat Guido Pea as well. Uh, I think he in did. Cincinnati, right? He did. He so you know next tournament, yes, in Cincy had a good run. I mean, you have to give it to him. The Fritz Pea Manorino Gasquet run is good. It's not. It's nothing. You know. Um, super impressed by but um it's no. i i expect that from gofen at this point in his career I if did. this was 2015 it would have been a jump off the page sort of run right you beat an right. informed gascane informed manorino i guess a 12 year old taylor fritz but still um yeah like he he is look good sorry to cut you off though so I, I guess my my point with him is you know he's had some good success and he's the kind of guy who's usually fairly consistent, but he's also the kind of guy that can lose to a Nishioka, who can lose to a Guido Pea. And yes, he's had consistency in these slams, but I don't know if he's necessarily the guy that I'm looking for to to be you know super successful here. I I think someone I think even a guy like Cam Nori could scare him. You know, being aggressive coming in playing the net. Uh, you know, I, I think Gofen's first round against Mute is probably fine. Uh, but yeah, the Guido Pea third round too, I, I think is a potential scare. So um, I understand where you're coming from, but I also could see this being, you know, potentially a, a quick out for, for Gofen if he's not on it. So you don't echo my Gofen has Federer on upset alert at all? No. <laughs> so Jamie and I <laughs> talked about this no. point a little bit uh, in our men's draw preview. And look, if anyone's going to do it, it feels like on paper, Gofen would be that guy. You look later in the portion of the draw, what Chorich, Dimenauer, an injured Nishikori in that bottom section, Milos Raonic, who pulls out of the tournament. I mean, this is like your classic Federer has everything break right for him, and he finds himself in the semis again. And I just, I circled David Gofen because I think he's one of the only guys in that section of the draw who could upset that status quo. And just my last point on him, if you don't mind, and then I want to get to your first player, you look at his record in terms of the year. This is why I'm backing up because he was not good before the French Open, but then third round French Open takes a set off, but ultimately loses to Nadal. Since then, quarterfinals in the Netherlands, finals in Halle, quarterfinals finals at Wimbledon before losing to Djokovic. A bad City Open loss to Nishioka, 7-6 in the third, but we've seen Nishioka play well recently. Yeah, Pea, not great, but then this finals in Cincinnati, he's playing better tennis. It seems like he's finally recovered from taking that ball to the eye, and, you know, that would be the worst thing, in, other than maybe to the nuts, is when you take a ball to the eye. It's just, it's horrible. Yeah. And so, I, I think he's confident again, and that's just why I have him circled. Yeah, I think my only issue with him before before we move on is just I don't feel like he's truly been Medvedev's a test for sure, but I, I I just worry that he hasn't seen someone you know really strong in the last few tournaments. But of course, besides Djokovic in that in that final or quarterfinal of Wimbledon, so we'll see. I I think you know if he can get through those first few, yeah, Federer will be tested, but he'll be fine. I'm Could be another. Worried. If it was like a four set, like what Gofan did to Nadal, where he looks really good for a set, that makes sense to you? Yeah. Okay, I can live with that scenario. Well, then, with that in mind, Max Rothman, your number one most intriguing, and not number one, but the first on your list of most intriguing players heading into the Open. So, really quickly before I do this, I, I think someone that I wanted to put on early, and I just want to mention really quick because you already said it, Milos Ranic, uh, not on the list, of course, because he had to withdraw. Uh, sad. He was one of the guys. I want to say we did a pod, and we were looking at the Bovada odds, and he was top six, top seven. Uh, and it's hilarious because he's still in like the top twelve guys that they, that could win for some reason. Um, but he's really a guy who, if if not injured, was a contender for 
a final even. I I, I know it's crazy to say wow. that might be a, Sizzle a hot me, take. Please, Westoff. It's a hot take, but seriously, the, the we've seen the guy on the hard court. It's it's impressive, and if he serves big and hits, you know, keeps his forehand in play. He's tough. Uh, so just I wanted to say, sad to see him out. But my first guy also has a very large serve and a very large forehand, Mr. Riley Opelka, who of course uh, you're you know one of his biggest fans and. Yeah, I thought you were gonna. I thought I was gonna get a little more out of you for for choosing him first. Maybe it's because you already knew uh, that that was coming. But Opelka has had also a great year. He's nineteen and sixteen on the year, and while he hasn't necessarily, he's had. He also has his first title. It's a big year for him. While you know the last few tournaments haven't been spectacular, he's had some good wins. You know his match with FAA at City was a great match. He beats Eubanks in the round before. He beats Borna Chorich and Cincy before losing to Dimenauer. And Dimenauer, I think, just has his number because uh, it also took him in the semifinals of Atlanta. But you know takes out Isner in that tournament as well. And so he's had some good results. He Warinka at Wimbledon while on the grass, very impressive. Probably his best uh, win of his career besides his win against Isner. So. I just think that on the hard courts at the U.S. Open where he's going to have people really rallying behind him, I think it's going to be dangerous. I want to say uh, he he looks the most confident I've seen him, and he's starting to get a little more comfortable on court. And it, I, I truly think you should be scared. You know, last year loses first round of qualities to Kesemenovic, uh, you know, another guy that I think people should be looking out for, hint, hint. Um, but... I think this year could be different, especially being in the main draw. I think, one, the reason I didn't jump on you when you said Riley Opelka is now that we're on video, people will see if I interrupt you. So I'm trying to look a little calmer, stay composed. Uh, That's all all it takes is video. uh, Exactly, now that I'm on on the spot. Um, But, yeah, it's like that's why they put those cameras at intersections, right, to catch you doing something wrong. Well, this is this. Uh, Westoff's trying to catch me do something wrong. But – Getting back to it, you you talk about Riley. Uh, you know we have the added benefit again of doing this after the draws come out in Riley's first round matchup against Fabio Fognini. On paper, there's always a top sixteen seed that loses, and this is just one of those classic cases where Riley's going to serve big for four out of the five sets. He's going to win two tiebreakers and manage a break in one of them, and like that's the recipe for upsets for him are so clear. Now Fognini is the type of guy who's going to go big on lines, and he's going to hurt Riley. And he's going to make Riley move and you know take chances and that's tough for Riley but you, I feel like Fabio Fognini is the type of player who loses focus not loses focus that's wrong but he's going to get frustrated with another big serve oh another ace oh another ace and you know as you mentioned we saw Riley not only beat Stan we've seen him beat Isner this is a guy who what it's his uh fifth career main draw at a slam but he seems comfortable in the three out of five format he does and uh, you know I'm glad that you went into the draw that's where I was going to go next Fonini, like you said, is the kind of guy where he might start going for big shots and not playing Fonini's game uh, as, you know, Opelka starts to hit the big forehands down the line and, and the big backhands and just, you know, doing the thing that he does best. And then if he can get through Fonini, I think that's really where, you know, I, I had Opelka early in this list is he can really break through. His second round match, he either gets a Kepfer or a Munar and neither of which are, I think, you know, going to test him as much as Fonini's going to test him. And then following that, you're looking at a Paolo Lorenzi Kazmenovich, maybe? I mean, unless Jir is able to take, take Kazmenovich. So 
you know, getting through Fonini, he's got a pretty open draw going through. So real quick, I apologize for jumping on you there. Opelka in the Medvedev portion, that would be his fourth round. Kasmanovich would be the Djokovic side. Um, but so just, uh, just he, yeah, yeah, just real right. quick. But it's all close. But you're absolutely right. It's a big if if Riley Opelka can beat So Fonini. sorry, you get, but so he gets Basilashvili. In, yeah, exactly. In next... But if he can, if he beats Fonini, that section is wide open. And Basilashvili, I believe he plays Fuksovic's first round. A lot of people, for justifiable reasons, have that circle as an upset alert. So let's say Basilashvili goes out. Let's say Fonini goes out. Now you've got Fuksovic's uh, worn down Burditch or Brooksby. Dominic Kofor, who's going to come on Monday's mini break podcast, go give that a listen. You know, former Tulane All American, former I think it's player hard. in the world. We're always a fan of that. But it's <laughs> who in that on paper, if Opelka gets the win, is more qualified than him to emerge from that section. Totally. I think it's funny that you say uh, a worn down Burditch or Brooksby <laughs> as if like Brooksby's really going to wear down Burditch. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Tomas Burdich is worn down, just period, at this sure, point. Sure, as a, as a person. Tomas Burdich. Uh, not as a person, I'm sure personality-wise. He's very vivacious. But I'm saying tennis-wise. Hey, nice thank you. Tennis-wise, hey, great shot. He is just yeah. not the uh, the same player he was in 20. You know, there was no totally. Gasquet-like resurgence from him at any point this season. So I, I'm not saying Brooksby is the favorite going in. I'm saying I don't really think either of those players has shown a higher level this year than Riley Opelka. So again, if, that's why he's intriguing, because if he wins that first match, that section is fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, obviously, hardcourt, best surface for Opelka. You know, the heat right now in in New York and flush. The grass. Uh, Opelka on grass is nasty. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, if you look at his win percentages, granted, he hasn't played as much grass. <laughs> hardcourt still uh, is favored 53.5% to the 40% on grass. Um so, but look, I'm just saying, the heat at the U.S. Open in Flushing Meadows going to make that ball pop a little bit. I uh, haven't heard too much chatter about the courts yet and whether they're, you know, feel like people are saying they're playing slow or fast. But uh, as we start to hear about that, the faster they are, the better for him. So uh, we'll, we'll see what people say about the courts. I completely agree with you. It's going to be very fun to watch. Riley, a must-circle name, one we we're always a fan of at Cracked Rackets. As he's been on a Cracked Interviews podcast, and it was a while back. But listeners, if you're intrigued, go check that out. But okay, with that in mind, I want to move on to my no- – any final thoughts, or can I move on to my number two? No, let's hear it. So you're going to like this one. Again, one of the questions Jamie and I did during our preview for the men's draw is talk about are there any, any unseeded players we think could make the second week? And obviously, Gofen, a seeded player who we've just talked about. Riley Opelka, unseeded, we made the case. Another one I want to make the case for, Jan Leonard Struth, who you could argue is the favorite and has showed the best form of any player in his portion of the draw. And let me do that for you just now before I even get into... Sh- well, I guess I'll set the scene for Struth first. You look at him as a player this year, his record on the season. No, no titles to his name, but he jumps from 58 to 20 uh, or to 37 in the rankings, had reached a high of 33 earlier in the year. He's 28 and 20 on the year, but let's look at his record since, oh, I don't know, maybe the French Open where he... Or, you know, round of 16 Rome, round of 16 at the French Open, semifinals in Stuttgart, round of 16 in Hollow where he loses in three to Kachanov, that's fine. Third round Wimbledon, he loses in four to Kukushkin, probably would like that one back. Loses to Karina Busta Hamburg, again, would like that back. Thompson would like that back. But then he beats Songa in Montreal, loses in three to Bachelosvili. He makes the round of 16 in Cincy, beating Karlovich, beating Tsitsipas, losing to an obvious informed Neil Medvedev. He's a 
big hitter who takes it to you when he serves well. The ball is in his, you know, it's on his racket. And his portion of the draw, John Isner hasn't, you know, he won Newport, but since then, early losses. Uh, he's the 14 seed. That would be Struce's second round match. I watched Marin Cilic get dusted by Radu Elbat at Cincinnati. And look, he's the 22 seed. Not exactly. Cilic looks rough. Form. Exactly. Struff is the guy in this section who, you know, someone unseated again is going to make that second week. And if we're not betting on this, but if you're a betting man, when you do like the Tourneytopia draws, we are, and by the way, listeners, it might be too late, but if you're a part of the Cracked Rackets Tourneytopia draw, listen every day on the mini break where we'll be giving daily updates. Um, but that's why I have Struth in my fourth round against Nadal. I just don't trust the other seeds. Yeah, man. I mean, the the problem is Isner can get hot. Um, you know, if if he's serving well, and you know, it's not like Rude is a easy first round match. That's that's not for him. Uh, you know, it's funny now that you you mentioned just you know an unseated player making uh, the second week. There were you know a bunch of unseated players in the fourth round last year. Uh, one of which was Basilashvili, who lost to Nadal. Uh, who else did we had? We had Cole Schreiber, we had Souso, we had Millman. So um, there are, you know, potential for for a lot of these unseated guys to make it there. And, and I do think you're right. Struff probably has one of the best chances. <sighs> and look, just to add on, Struff, 29 years old. So physical prime, it's, it's not going to get better for the him than this. You look at his results at the slams, uh, nothing crazy, no quarterfinals in his future, but the past two years, last year, second round, second round, third round, third round, this year, first round, fourth round, third round, he is playing his best tennis these past two years. He's won a couple of matches at slams before. I think that he got to the fourth round of the French Open could be very consequential for him here. It's intriguing, right? When we're making this list of guys to watch, he's a one circle. I'm not saying he's going to beat Nadal and make the quarters. I'm saying he could get there. Look, his game, the, the big serve, the big forehand, I mean, yeah, he is a guy where he could shock some people. Uh, and look, he, ju- he just beat Pass in Cincy, you know, a couple, whatever that was, a week or two ago. Uh, you know, not a great match with Medvedev afterwards, but he's had some good, he beat Sanga in Montreal. So he has the firepower. That's the thing. I mean, that's what, you know, when we're making this list, who do we want to watch for? Guys who have firepower on the hard court, and he's definitely one of them. So Look, with the draw he's got, an Isner Chilich, you know, section, that's doable. That is doable. I think the games of Struff and Berrettini are so interchangeable in my head. I'm like, all right, they big are. muscular guys, linebackers, forehand serves. Although Struff moves, I think, a little bit better than, than Berrettini. Better? I think so. I would say, maybe. It's different. But Berrettini's back. He's a little more skilled. Sure. Struff is just the young Leonard. I'm Struff. Well, yeah, you. big big guy. Yeah, exactly. He'll give you just. that Struff. <laughs> <laughs> but with that being said, Max Rothman, your number two player. So my next guy is someone that we unfortunately haven't seen enough of in the you know last few months. And I know you know where I'm going with this. This is Mr. Hyun Chung, and look. You can't really look at his recent results too much uh, as a way of convincing yourself why he's someone to watch for. But his qualifying matches were great. Uh, he looked good. I, I think you needed to, to watch him a little bit just to see. When he first started to come back off injury, he looked a little shaky. He, he wasn't moving as well. He was just, I didn't feel like I, I saw the same consistency from him. And I feel like I'm starting to see that a little bit more from him as he's, you know, been on back on the tour a little bit. But he has had some good results. He, he won a challenger in China. Uh, you know, he, 
has won a couple other matches in in challengers, and he's got an Ernesto Escobedo first round match as a qualifier. That is about the best first round match you could ask for. And he he look, he's got the he's got all the skills. He he has the weapons. If he can get comfortable out there, being back in his first Grand Slam after injury, he could be dangerous. And and he's got a draw too. That's you know relatively open. So uh, I, I just see there's there's a, a lot of things that need to go right but if they do for him watch out you know i'm the conductor of the chung train uh, that's of course just, i've been on it since the beginning um and since he won the next gen finals the inaugural event he looked that good and our friend at double fault who's one of the best gift producers on tennis twitter during that run for Hyun chung when he's coming back winning that maiden challenger title a couple of weeks ago i was asking him hey can you post this gif of the backhand down the line chung hit hey i just hit another ridiculous shot will you post this one i've been watching him every step of the way because the firepower he can produce particularly particularly off the backhand side, but just from the baseline. I mean, he's a machine. He just, he, he's so consistent, so solid, so relentless with his pace. His serve, the toss is a little weird. He sometimes has too low of a first serve percentage, and that can hurt him, but he's a solid returner. He likes going after the forehand. He's a stocky guy, not the best volleyer, but the type of nightmare match you look at when it's best of five sets. And for him, in terms of intriguing, it sucks that he's in the Nadal portion, and, you know, Escobedo can hit the clock off the ball, so maybe he could give him some trouble. But I see Hyun Chung as a third-round opponent. I could see him beating the winner of Verdasco Comca making that third round for sure. Absolutely. And, and that's what I meant by an open draw. I mean, you're not going to get much better of a draw than Struff got as far as your seeds go. Uh, but being able to have an Escobedo first round and a Verdasco second round to have a shot at Nadal. I mean, of course, we're, we're relying on Chung being healthy. We're, no, no blisters, no, you know, Mm-mm. tweaked ankles, none of that. Uh, Foggy glasses. It, right. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, uh, as long as he can stay relatively healthy, I, I think it'd be a, a fun challenge for Nadal. I think, you know, Nadal will be fine, but it, it could be one of those matches where people are tuning in. They go, wow, this is fun tennis. And for Hyun Chung, making the third round to end his season, you know, given he didn't have any chance, that's a win. Totally. He ma- makes the second round last year, loses to Kukushkin, you know, probably a match that he should have won. I, do you remember that one? Do you yes. remember me screaming at you via text? Yes. I mean, it, we, were, we both were looking at this like, oh, my God, he got a Kukushkin second round match. He's going to win this. He's going to. Uh, yeah, he he really had an opportunity there and uh, unfortunately blew it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's I agree with your selection. He was I was banking on you picking him so that I could sneak other guys in. But yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite players to watch in his matchup versus Ernesto Escobedo must see on Tuesday. That that's probably one of the top matches to watch i guarantee we will talk about it on, actually unless chung wins like two two and two it'll come up on the mini break that's for sure i i could see like a chung first round smack escobedo smack in the second a tight third and then escobedo screwed in the fourth. or whoever wins the third wins the fourth six one true yeah, yeah, whoever, you're right, that's exactly what's happening. No, I completely agree with that. That seems very feasible. Well, with that said, let's move on to my number three guy. Uh, this is really going to be our first big contender because we mentioned David Goffin, the number 15 seed, uh, that you can make a case for him. But this is my first top four seed, and that, of course, none of the big three, but number four seed Dominic Team, who has not looked good 
coming in, you know, he you look in Canada, he did okay. He made the quarterfinals after beating Chapeau in three, Chilich in straights before getting blown out by Medvedev in a match that if you watched, he just didn't look healthy. He then ends up pulling out of Cincinnati because, again, he was not healthy. He has spoken to the press since then. He said he feels, you know, significantly better. He knew going into Cincy he was sick, and he's taken time since then to get better. And given the year he's had, you know, he's the one non-big three player you know, maybe outside of Wawrinka, but he hasn't done it recently, to make, you know, two Grand Slam finals in the past two years. Now he loses them both to Nadal and the clay, but he has that sort of experience. He pushed Nadal to the brink last year, playing maybe the best tennis I have ever seen in that first set. What was it? 6-0 win over Nadal. That was crazy. Mm-hmm. And just, he won Indian Wells this year. He backed it up. He had success on a hard court. Three out of five, you don't need to, you need me to tell you what Dominic Team can do to you. He's one of the most intriguing players coming into this because, simply put, he's one of the few guys outside the big three where if you told a common tennis fan, hey, Dominic Team, you know, two weeks from now, Dominic Team won the 2019 US Open, they'd be like, all right, I guess I could see how it happened. Yeah, I mean, also, given his draw, I think he's got uh, probably one of the best quarters. Uh, yeah, having Tsitsipas on the other end, not exactly what you want to see, but, you know, as far as his you know immediate matches, Fabiano first round, a Geraldo Bublik second round, looking at Edmund in the third, who, you know, who knows what happens with that guy? He, he's all over the place. He may he might even lose to a, Don't uh, to a Pablo Andujart. Don't slander a fellow ginger. <laughs> <laughs> that, that gives me the right to do it. Yeah. Um, and then you're looking at, you know, uh, uh, this fourth round it, as a spew of players who have a tougher time getting there. You're looking at, you know, maybe an FAA after going through Chapo and Monfils. So, you or know, maybe a Chapo after going through FAA and Monfils, exactly. Or, or Monfils after going through them. So I think just the way the draw played out for him, too, is great. And like you said, the guy took Nadal in a ridiculous five-set match, uh, one that I'm sure he still thinks about. Uh, and he wants to cover those points. He's he's going to be thinking about this. I think the best decision he made was to take Cincy off, get the time, recover, relax, get in the right mindset. Uh, I think you can expect, I mean, you, you should expect a for sure second week. It's him. the sort of decision he wouldn't have made two years ago to pull out. His no. head, you know, it's Dude, the sort of mature decision. We, we were saying two years ago, this guy, we were like, oh my God, he doesn't stop. How is he walking? Right. Like he literally plays everything. And so it's good. This, I mean, he also has afforded himself that ability with, you know, just the amount of tournaments he's won and the points that he has. So uh, it's good that he's able to do that. Yeah, I agree with you. And I actually think his portion of the draw may be my favorite quarter. The Djokovic one is awesome, but you look at the seeds here, and I'm not going to, I don't think we're on the list for these guys, but Kyrgios Tsitsipas, not not exactly, you know, if they end up playing Dominic team, that's a thrilling uh, quarterfinal matchup. As you mentioned, the FAAs of the world, RBA, one of the top maybe 10 players for sure, maybe top five guys in the uh, entire ATP tour in 2019. There's a lot of talent in this section, and given you know none of them are big three players, I'm sure common fans will agree. Anyone can come through it. And on Tourneytopia, I like to have fun with my Tourneytopia, but I have a Team Kyrgios quarterfinal, and I know I'm going to regret it come you know 
2.05 uh, Monday, whenever I do, or whenever. I do it every single year, don't yeah, worry. Not even every year. Every Grand Slam, I do it too. What Are we, are we going to give the Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel <clears throat> shirts to ourselves? Like, no. <laughs> so let's have a little fun with it. Uh, well, but, I, but I did win the Wimbledon bracket, so we, I, I need a little more competition this time. Yeah, hey, great shot to you. I agree. But I have Dominic Team making the finals. I think he's going to beat Nadal. I just – I think he's fresh enough, and I hope – he can show that level again. He has time with Fabiano, with the Bublik, Geraldo. Winner. Although, again, I've said this to Jamie, there's a scenario where Sasha Bublik just serves out of his mind the first week and finds himself in the fourth round. Um, but if team can work his way into form, get better and better each match and you know get away with wins along the way, there is absolutely no reason he can't get to the semifinals. And in my opinion, no reason he can't make the finals, put up a shot against probably Djokovic and just see what happens. I'm right there with you. I yeah. think uh, I think we've said what we have to say about team. If you're ready to go on to to my next guy, who's yeah. in a similar category as Dominic Team. Yeah, that's why he's my number three. But go for it. Your number three player. Number three, Daniil Medvedev. And, I love it. And you have to. You know, I, I thought. You know, I might get some eye rolls from people listening to this. Uh, you know, counterpoint. You, include- you I, I completely. You absolutely. What? Well, that, that's yeah. right. So that's what I'm saying. You know. You, Yes, you have to look for this guy. 44 and 16 this season. I mean, that's absurd. And just, I, I'm like almost speechless because leads the league, leads the league, leads the, the league. ATP tour. I just have a fantasy it, draft tonight. He leads the ATP wins. tour and wins. Like, you're right. Like, just finals of Cincy, finals of Montreal, finals of, of City. Three finals. I mean, what what more confidence do you want going into the U.S. Open? I mean, the dude has literally dominated the hardcore season. He is, I think, besides Djokovic, the favorite. I really do, and, and wow. I don't think that, and I don't think that's a hot take. So it's tough because they're in the same portion of the draw, right? They're in the same quarter, and inevitably, it feels like given their level, given there's a lot of other talented players in that section as we kind of went through the Kasmanoviches, the stands. But for Medvedev, we talked how wide open that Opelka portion is. You know, Taylor Fritz or Nishioka as a potential third rounder, even Feliciano Lopez is dangerous, but best three out of five, those guys can't hold up physically with Daniil Medvedev. And so you're right. It's to the point where when the inevitable Djokovic-Medvedev matchup happens, it's just can Medvedev serve the way he did that last set and a half in Cincy over the course of three out of five? And I've said it before. My, one of my favorite, if not my favorite matches of 2019, Medvedev versus Djokovic at the Australian Open, where Djokovic won in four sets, but it was the most laborious, just physically draining match I think I've seen all season. And now that Medvedev has the confidence to take and take chances, play big against Djokovic, you add in that dynamic, boy, do I hope we get that matchup because that's going to be a fun one. It is, and, and I think it's good um, or excuse me, I think the draw is good for Medvedev going in. He's got, you know, most likely uh, a Fritz uh, third round before that. You think and Fritz that, gets there? I know this is a tangent, but we haven't talked Taylor Fritz yet, and I feel like that's a staple. Uh, I hope he gets there. Um, All right, I'm going to name three real quick. Get, we get to do on. this. T- okay, go ahead, please. I think he beats Feli, and then Gear, and then Giron just actually surprises everyone and whoops I, him. I want you to know that Jamie said the exact same thing. So when yeah. two people are saying it, it's no longer crazy. I don't it, look. The, the mental reasons are clear, right? Uh, so I, I think that's possible. But then Medvedev afterwards. Wait, you know, can I throw my Fritz tangent at you real quick? 
Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. go okay, for it. Okay, sorry about that. And for our new Tennis Channel listeners, any of you, t- uh, Tangents, big theme here at the Great Shot Podcast. That's everything. Brand, we haven't talked about them, and I wanted to include one of the three. You included Opelka, so I used that. But Riley Opelka, Taylor Fritz, Francis Tiafo, who first round plays Karlovich, second round potential Alex Virev. Of those three, A, who goes the furthest? B, do any of them make the second week? If anyone makes the second week, it's Opelka. Mm-hmm. Unless, unless... Frizzle? Are you or Are you going to say Tiafa? Tiafa. Unless Virev <laughs> just plays the crap that he's been playing and Tiafo comes out hot and yeah, that could happen. I, yeah. that, that's not that's not out of this, you know, the realm of possibilities. Um, but yeah, I mean, Opelka, the best chance. Uh, although, damn. Tiafo, though, if he beats Virev, oh, first swear, hey, great job. Damn, doesn't really count. Um, no. But Tiafo, if he gets by Zverev, then Benoit Pair, who's, you know, at that point will have won, I think, seven matches in like nine or, or six or, or maybe even six days counting back to Winston-Salem he will have fatigue on him there's another world where Francis Tiafa who by the way has made a quarterfinal the only of the American next gen guys to do so it's possible so I see that chart but for the reasons we stayed said earlier I'd probably stick with Riley Opelka yeah I think you have to yeah I, not not unfortunately it's that's just the way that this draw looks that's um, just the way it is <laughs> that's just the way it is yeah. um Medvedev, though. Back to Medvedev. I, I, there's, actually, there's not even a whole lot more to say. <laughs> He's been so good. His draw looks great. Everyone wants to see that quarterfinal against Djokovic. That's it. Yeah. Do you think Medvedev switches to Nike by the end of 2020? No. Lacoste is such a good look. Uh. Such a good look for him. I, I, You know what? I really like the Lacoste kits. I really? Think I think they're classy, clean. I, I really like them. I just like a kit that goes from headband to shoe. Like I love the swoosh. I'm 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 not anti Lacoste, anti anything really, except for athletic DNA, which I don't think exists anymore. Um, but I'm vi- <laughs> that's like, a throwback. Yeah, I just the swoosh. He's a swoosher. He's not though. That's yeah, he's not a swoosher. He's, he's the you know funky Reb- Lacoste, funky rebel Lacoste guy. Yeah, like the right. if you also notice, all the Lacoste guys are are the the collared shirt, no wristband kind of guy. Like if you're a Nike guy. <laughs> You gotta be Nadal, double Wrist- wristband, yeah. headband, wraps. Like you need all of it. Wraps. Yeah. I yeah. love that. That's hilarious. Everything. <laughs> yeah. Look, that's why we do tangents because you spot on analysis as always, and <laughs> spot yes. on clothing analysis. Yeah, and Daniil Medvedev. <laughs> you can expect that from me. Daniil Medvedev. What? Well, yeah, you're the clothing guy. You're trying to yeah. pivot to a lane already. I like uh, it. We, um, <laughs> we might need to change over chat just on clothing. Yeah, look, God willing, when the sponsor's coming in, I imagine some will hopefully be tennis clothing. Send it to us. We'll we'll get some uh, models. We'll try them on. We'll do like a little, you know, runway action where we, we debate which ones are the best kits. There's a lot of opportunity here. That's all We're I'm wearing Cracked Rackets gear right now in the video, but I'm for sale. I will, whatever you need. If I need a little well, patch, a little Rakuten patch on my sleeve, I'm ready. As I say, the the one that I'm wearing, I don't know if, I, if I'm allowed to do this. We got a little Nike action going on here. So. <laughs> you are not allowed to do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. 
Uh, and for you without video, you should know he did just point at his bulging bicep and flexed while pointing. Uh, but that's half of his charm. But all right, with that being said, back on schedule here. Only a couple of more players to go. This next player, number four, a guy we both agree on, and that's why, again, both of our number fours will go to him next. Miomir Kasmenovic, who we talked about a lot during the Cincinnati run on the mini break, the way he was able you know, make the quarterfinals or round of 16 out of qualifying. He beats FAA first round. He beats Zverev first round. Was given the business by RBA, but you play four matches in, I think it was five days. I'm sure there was a little fatigue associated with that. Interesting decision to go to Winston-Salem afterwards where he beats Popperin, but then loses to Denis Shapovalov in what I thought was Denis Shapovalov's best match of the year. But again, story for another time. But Miomir Kasmenovic made uh, a round of 16 and a quarterfinal at the Masters level this year on hard courts. And I know they were in very different circumstances. He got a Nishioka withdrawal in Indian Wells that propelled him to that quarterfinal. I also know Miomir Kasmenovic at, I believe, what is it? He's 19 years old, maybe 20 at this point. Uh, 19 years old, turns 20, though, at the end of the month. Uh, he doesn't have a ton of Grand Slam experience. This will be his fourth ever, his fourth of the year as well. First round, second round, second round uh, earlier in the year. And by the way, that he was able to win a round at Wimbledon, given that he made a final the Saturday before um, on the grass. A great result for him. But he's had, you know, half a week, five days to rest up. Given the openness of his draw, which we talked about again on our GSP men's draw preview, but also a little bit earlier, he's the beneficiary of Kevin Anderson withdrawing from that portion. First round, he has Laszlo Jira, which will be a tough match, but then he'd have the winner of Lorenzi or Svaja, you know, neither of those intimidating to him. Then he'll have a Stan Wawrinka potentially, who would have had to go through Yannick Sinner and Hubie Hercatch. And it's a very, he's another unseated player. I think you said there were four last year. Right now, I have Opelka, Kasmenovic, and Struff as my right, my three unseated players. Oh, and Dimenauer. Those are my four for this year. Yeah, I think those are all possible. And yeah, I mean, the the third round in sight for him. I mean, he should be just itching to get there. This is such a good opportunity for him. And look, he started the year playing challengers. I mean, he was he had to qualify for Australian Open, which he did. You know, kudos to him for making it through those three rounds. But he was mainly playing you know challengers at the beginning of this year. And he has progressively gotten better. So, you know, he's had some good wins uh, throughout the last you know few weeks as well. And I think, you know, given the circumstances of his draw, he should have a lot of confidence going into this and expect to be in that third round. Have those expectations. Push it. Like, have that be that, you know, kick in the butt uh, to, to really make him want to get uh, to that third round. And again, for the former world junior number one to make even a third round to round out his year, I believe he's inside the top 50 now for sure. Uh, you know, if he gets a couple of wins here, given that he has he, no points he's to ranked defend. 50 on the dot. Exactly. So with added points, with a couple wins here, he gets himself right around that top 40 to end the year. He's still eligible to play the next-gen finals. Hopefully he does. There are a lot of opportunities for Miomir Kesmanovic to position himself really well entering the 2020 season. For me, this is another one of them in terms of his game. You know, physically developed, he's an IMG ball machine. He's tracking everything down. He will go for angles. He'll go down the line big when have to. Not the biggest serve, but just a very solid all-around game. 
another one of the most intriguing players certainly to follow as we head into this U.S. Open. But again, two more to go. This is another guy we agreed on, and I cheated again because I got to see your list, and I knew you included him. Hubie Hercatch is the next player we're going to talk about, Maxi, and obviously he just got his first final at uh, and championship on the ATP Tour at Winston-Salem. But I feel like this was a guy we could have circled even before that result. Absolutely. I mean, he, he took a took Tsitsipas in Montreal after taking down Fritz. Uh, you know, had a, a good Wimbledon, in my opinion, getting to that third round against Djokovic. And if you remember that match, it was a good match. He played really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think one of those guys who's young and is starting to get the confidence in the Grand Slams hasn't played too many himself. But the confidence that you get after winning a tournament, unlike anything else. I mean, that that is truly awesome to have had the success at Winston-Salem, you know, beating Feli, beating Tiafo, beating Chapo and Benoit. Those are, you know, four guys in a row that uh, shows that he can, you know, day after day consistently play that high quality tennis. So I think we can see there's there's a good chance for him to to make it far in the U.S. Open this year. And we should say those wins over Tiafo and Chapo came back to back on a Friday, right? Three sets physical against Tiafo, and then Chapo was playing his best tennis, and he beats him in straights three and four. That's an impressive run. But yeah, he has done it all this season. He's progressed into that top fifty. A player we circled when we did our top ten next gen seasons of the year after Wimbledon. He six six. You know, physically gifted. I get that he will be fatigued after the Winston Salem run, but he's a young guy, and he has two days off. He doesn't play till t- I or no, no, is he a Monday start? He is a Monday start, three thirty tomorrow. So that's brutal. And I think I actually mentioned that in the stand match. I would have stand on upset alert by Hubie, but you have to wonder playing that many matches, that many consecutive days. But he's young. Like if he's in form, if he's not healthy, or if he is healthy, there's no reason he can't go on a run. Yeah, I mean, that was my only concern, you know, is the fact that he's played so many matches. But prior to that, he loses first round of Cincy to RBA, so didn't play, you know, pretty much that whole week leading up to Winston-Salem, although I guess it's not, you know, as much of a break as some tournaments. But he he's young, dude. He'll be fine. I, I do think that his confidence from the tournament will carry him through that Warrenka match. I, if I'm a betting man... I think that's a great, depending on what the lines are, of course, I think that's a great opportunity to to take him as an upset. Completely agree with you. Well, with that being said, let's move on to our final player. It is the last guy, and you're going to like this one because not a traditional name, a guy who has had no success at all when it comes to 2019. In fact, he's just probably happy he didn't draw Stan Wawrinka in the first round of this tournament. I, of course, am talking about Grigor Dimitrov, who is my last most intriguing player. And let me just make the case. How? Let's look at his portion of the draw. First round, Seppi. Interesting, right? Very winnable. Second round, Chorich, who hasn't played at all since Wimbledon, like just hasn't Dude, found a run of he luck. He could lose to Seppi. <laughs> That's true. But if he beats Seppi, he, uh, again, you look at his little, what is it, 32nd, maybe 16th of the draw. Rayonich was his 21 seed out. Jack Sock and Pablo Cuevas, neither exactly scary. So, you know, again, if Grigor can win his first two matches, get by the Chorch, or if Chorch gets upset, you're going to tell me Nikolas Jerry is a prohibitive favorite over Grigor Dimitrov? I'm going to call BS. 
Uh, no. And I love Jari. No, it's the section of the draw. That's why it's so intriguing because, again, we have the benefit of looking at the draw. Alex. If he's ever going to say, you know what? My career's not over. I'm not just a pretty face. I still have a lot of good tennis left in me. This is the draw. You got the draw, Grigor. And let's see what you have left in the tank. He's had seven first-round losses this year. That's horrible. He, dude, he lost to Kevin King. No no offense to Kevin King, who's a great player. Georgia Tech alum. Ke- he lost first round to Kevin King in Atlanta. I mean, dude, you cannot tell me that. He's going to lose first round to Seppi. All right, th- that's your take. My my take is, and again, I'm saying intriguing because if he loses first round to Seppi, maybe it's just one really bad year, but it's going to be really hard not to just write him off going into 2020 given how many young, exciting players are on on tour. But if he can win a few matches here, which the draw, it seems like, could allow him to do, do we see a Grigor Dimitrov resurgence in 2020? Like, I would be all for that. I mean, look, I, I would love to have him back. The guy won Nitto Finals in 2017. Like, he has it in it. He, he has it all. Mm-hmm. Um, what, question What do you think the line is for the Seppi Dimitrov match? I have it up in front of me. Given your tone of voice, and I can see you, if Seppi's like, Seppi's probably. It, maybe it's even. Maybe it's even. No. Sep, Sep, is Grigor the favorite? So Seppi plus 250. Nice. Two, uh, oh, sorry. Seppi's plus 210. Dimitrov yeah. minus 260. Yeah. makes that, that sounds pretty right. I mean, yeah. that's not bad odds, but like, are we going to do first round parlays? No, we'll say that. No, we can't gamble anymore. We're part of Tennis Channel. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, I just... I just think it's it. Look, all these guys. Rayonich isn't even in the tournament. I don't want to spend a second talking about Marin Cilic. We've talked about Kei Nishikori's injury woes. Uh, but da- we talked about David Goffin. But these 27 now to age 30 guys, we see how good these next-gen guys are. They are creeping up on you. Daniil Medvedev won a freaking Masters 1000 title, right? Karen Kachanov's done it as well. Zverev's done it as well. Your window is is just about as shut as it will get because Djokovic, Federer, Nadal, they've seemed to have boxed you out, and now there's young guys on the horizon. So Grigor, and I'm not, I don't know why I'm talking to him personally, but if Grigor is going to do anything, this is the draw. Like, I'm just so convinced. And I have George beating him. Let's be clear. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying now or never. You're trying to lose the bracket challenge. You're no, literally trying to. No, I have George. To. I have George over Dimitrov. I wouldn't tank oh, that bad. Oh, sorry. I thought you were saying the other way around. No, no, no. I have George, but I'm saying I'm intrigued. Yeah. And by the way, you, you were talking to Dimitrov because you're assuming that he is listening to this podcast. I mean. Or at, le- at least hoping. Handsome people listen to handsome people, right? Oh, God. Now people <laughs> can actually see you say that <laughs> live. Thank God. I would say, yeah, he's a little more handsome than as, I am. As he strokes his newly, <laughs> newly grown-in facial hair. For those of you who aren't watching. The Wolverine watching. patches aren't as bad as they once were. It's very yeah, true. It's, it's getting better. Uh, yeah. But that being said, Dimitrov was my last guy. Uh, and Any final thoughts for you in, in terms of this men's draw, in terms of players you're watching, thoughts you have going into it? I mean, there's just so many good first round matches. If you're not watching the next two days, like you're just you're making a mistake. I mean, we've got the Canadians, the young Canadians, FA and Chapo. You know, they're they're squaring off. I, I think they're Tuesday though. Um, so there's there's just so many good matches. Uh, I think unlike 
some of the previous Grand Slams. I think this one uh, has the most potential for the big three to end up in the semifinals. I think I've been more scared about them not making it in the past. I feel way more confident in them, uh, you know, going into this tournament, which is not necessarily my preference. I think I'd like to see uh, someone, you know, knock them off early, but I don't know the injuries and some of the the way that this draw played out. It just seems to have favorited, you know, these guys. So uh, you can probably expect to see the big three in the semifinals with, you know, a, a contender in there, unless Medvedev, you know, takes out a Djokovic in the quarterfinals, something like that. But just get ready for the next few days. Really good quality uh, matchups in the first round, and it's I'm just excited. Yeah, and for listeners who uh, want to catch up on any of the action, be prepared for what will be the you know a very exciting final Grand Slam of the 2019 season. Check out our website, CrackRackets.com. As I mentioned, Matt Zemek and I did this exact same exercise before the women's singles draw. I believe that was released maybe Wednesday or Thursday of last week. So if you want to go check that out, it holds up well, even with the draw being released. If you want to hear the men's draw preview that Jamie and I did again, that's a great shot podcast we released yesterday. Cracked interviews-wise, a lot of fun interviews in the queue. I know we released our interview with, in my opinion, the greatest collegiate tennis player, at least on the men's side of all time, Stevie it's Johnson not even, today. It's not even your opinion. It's, yeah, it's a it's fact, just, right? It's you win 72 matches in a row, that's a fact. Yeah. Um, and who, by the way, you'll love this, Roth, and I may have told you, but when I asked him who's a big rival, UCLA or UVA, he said you got to beat UV, uh, you, you got to beat us to be a rival, and UVA never did that. So that's the sort of spice you like, and I promise listeners will like that. Again, Katie Volley, that's the wild card winner from San Diego. We had her on recently, so if you want to learn more about her before she plays, check that out. Dom Kopfer today on the mini break, some fun, or some fun cracked interviews in the future as well to be on the lookout for. Uh, it's going to be a fun week. Again, any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up? Just one more thanks to, to Tennis Channel. We're super excited to be here. And, uh, Woo! Just... <laughs> <laughs> no, you want to hear something great it's... is that Westoff, when we were, because I wanted to do the whole thing, welcome to Powered by Tennis Channel Podcast Network, whatever. And I was yeah. like, and I want a powered sound effect. And so for the pound, powered sound effect, Westoff goes, oh, yeah, and it'll be something like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like, what? Um, so I'm just so glad we have this on video now because your <laughs> face when you gave the woo was like, it, so, it, it was mismatched. There was, there did not go with uh, <laughs> the sounds you made. So I'm glad we have this now. This is so much better. Yeah, and of course, with that being said, a huge shout out to the super producer we just mentioned, Daniel Westoff, for making this video podcast happening. He has an of a job to do. I'll leave it in there so that he can make it a quack come podcast time. But for those on video, you don't get the full swear. Uh, But again... Like, rate, subscribe, review this podcast, The Cracked Interviews, The Mini Break. Be on the lookout for all of our content all week long because it's going to be a very sun, very fun, very sun, very fun under the sun final Grand Slam of the year. But, with that, being, <laughs> yeah, but with that being said, for my lovely co-host and doubles partner, Maxwell LeBauer Rothman, for our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, and from our entire team at both the Tennis Channel Podcast Network and Cracked Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Maxie, you hear the excitement in my voice. I what do we tell our listeners? What a smile that was, and <laughs> hey, great shot. And we will see you all throughout the U.S. Open. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.